0: Good morning. Good morning. I'm Pastor Abe. I'm on staff here at Emmaus, and at this time I'd like to um, invite the children to go to Children's Church if they'd like to do that. Michael Moss, I saw you were on the drums here, and we didn't have a drummer, and then you walked in the door and they recruited you. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah, we should stay, say thank you. Yeah. You never know what you might be end up doing here at Emmaus when you walk through the doors. I like to joke with people that Jesus loves you and Pastor Abe has a wonderful plan for your life. (laughs) Sometimes I like to say that. All right, so we wrap up a series today, Why Jesus? And um, today, I'm actually going to talk about money, and I'll get to that in just a second. Next week, we'll start a new series, still kind of workshopping the title, but something like heartwork or overflow of the heart, where... Jesus says it's out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. This idea that we need to always be in check with what's going on in here uh, because that impacts what, what comes out. And then that'll take us to Advent, Christmas time, Advent. Um, and we're going to be in the book of Luke, chapters 1 and 2 during Advent. And for any of, anyone who wants to think this far ahead, in January we'll be in the book of Amos. So we'll have to buckle up for that one. My guess is, over the past few weeks, as I've preached, I've um, carved out some time for us to answer some questions with one another. We won't be doing that here this morning, but the question I've been asking is, um, what difference has, has Christianity or your faith in God made in your life, or you know, why do you believe in Jesus? Now, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I, I'm curious, my guess is, very few people said, the reason I'm a Christian is because Jesus has a lot to say about money. Uh, is my guess. But it's true, he has a lot to say about money. And we won't be able to cover everything he says about money in one sermon. But I do want to go after one of his parables. And parables can be really, they remind me of the, that toy when I was a kid. It was almost like an elongated donut, and it was kind of slippery, and it, it'd curl in on itself, and you'd hold it, and it'd slip right out of your hands. Parables are that way a little bit. Um, they can be tough to, to control. They just go kind of where they're going to go. And I think this one does that in some ways as well. So Jesus has some things to say about money, and he has some things to say to us about money too. And so if you would turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 12, in the Bibles in front of you, you'll find this passage on page 836. And by the way, if you'd like to take one of these home, our gift to you. Please take it. You may want to put your name on it or something because there's a lot of them floating around here. Luke chapter 12. I'll be starting in verse 13. And Jesus has been teaching these large crowds and he's been teaching them all kinds of things. He's warning them about Pharisees and hypocrisy. He's teaching them um, how to trust in God's spirit. He's Telling them and teaching them what they mean, what what they what what they mean to God, like how God thinks of them and how God feels about them. And then verse 13, it's almost like this this guy blurts out from the crowd. This dude just kind of, hey! Got your attention there. Hey, Jesus, teacher. Book of Luke, chapter 12. Verse 13 through 21. Then someone called out from the crowd Teacher, tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. And Jesus replies, Friend, interesting translation. In my mind, it's almost more like, Dude. (laughs) Or, Hey, buddy. Who made me judge over you to decide such things as that? This one's been sticking with me this week. I'm I'm not going to spend tons of time on this, but I don't know you're the Messiah. Maybe that would give you the right to weigh in on this. But Jesus says no. Isn't that interesting? And then he said, verse 15, Beware, or look out, or keep watch. Guard against every kind of greed guard against every kind of greed life is not measured by how much you own or another way to say this life isn't constituted life doesn't have meaning because of all the stuff you have and then he told them a story a rich man had a very productive farm, produced all kinds of fine crops. And this man said to himself, What should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. And then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, Self, you have enough stored away for years to come. I can retire, I can take it easy. I can retire is not in the tax. I threw that in there. I can take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. That sounds pretty good. But God said to him, You fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, Jesus said. A person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. A little bit more on that translation later in the sermon. But would you pray with me? And may God bless the reading of this word. Holy Spirit, uh, I ask that you use my words, whether they're good or not, I ask that you'd use them, please. That you'd speak to our hearts about our possessions, about our income, about our money. That we might not miss what true life is given to us by Jesus. We don't want to miss that, God. I pray these things in his name. Amen. Greed, the intense and selfish desire for something in excess. Greed, the overwhelming urge to have more than you need. Greed, the rapacious appetite for more power, more possessions, more money. Or as sociologist Eric Fromm once put it, Greed is a bottomless pit which exhausts the person in an endless effort to satisfy the need without ever reaching satisfaction. A bottomless pit, greed. Few things are as destructive as greed. Fear and shame come to my mind, but it's a short list. An unchecked desire for more makes us insensitive to people. Uh, it, It can make us insensitive to God's leading. Greed can fuel disharmony and discord, fights. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Greed can fuel disagreements. Greed distorts what life is because life is not found in objects or possessions. In short, greed blinds us from seeing what life is supposed to be about. Greed blinds us from seeing what life is supposed to be about. It's interesting. Take a group of young people to places where a community lacks an abundance of possessions, to poor communities. Take them to these communities These places that aren't saturated with stuff and excess like um, we find ourselves. And I bet you will undoubtedly hear something like this, because when I would take groups to serve in these places, I heard this all the time. I just can't believe it. They don't have anything, but they seem so happy. Have you ever heard this? They don't have cell phones or two-story houses. They don't have their own car. And yet, they seem to be enjoying their lives. <laughs> I've, I've, I've actually said these things too. How can this be? How can this be? Well, Jesus tells us right here. It's because stuff doesn't bring life. And yet we're shocked when we see it happening shocked so many by the lie and the lie is this the more possessions we have the happier we will be and this is not true life does not constitute an abundance of possessions and greed doesn't bring life abundance of possessions does not bring life and yet so many of us kind of believe that it does And so we're shocked when people don't have a bunch of stuff, but they've they've clearly got life. Remember that old show, uh, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous? People with gigantic mansions and private jets and champagne wishes and caviar dreams? I actually practiced that in an English accent, and it was so poor that I said, I'm not even going to try it. You watch this show, something like this, and you think that's life there it is Oh, if only except the problem is it's not life it's not nothing about that stuff constitutes what God calls life life actually is found in relationships it's found in communities where we share and we share food we share time we share stories we share grief We share joy, we share laughter, encouragement, and this has nothing to do with the excess of our possessions. Furthermore, true life is found in a relationship with God, the one who brings meaning and purpose and joy and peace and who reminds us that God made us, and God does not make mistakes, And to make this point come to life, Jesus tells a parable about this really, really rich farmer, right? He has this bumper crop and his barns aren't even big enough to hold everything. I'm tearing them down. I'm going to build up more uh, up to the sky and fill them up with potatoes and tomatoes and green beans and barley and wheat and whatever else he's been growing. So much so that I'm on easy street, (laughs) says to himself, I have arrived. Now I can sit back and eat and drink and be merry. That sounds pretty good. Except that God comes to him at night and says, You're a fool. You're going to die now. And who's going to get all this stuff? And Jesus says, this is what it's like when someone builds up possessions for themselves but does not have richness in God. It reminds me of that Alanis Morissette song. I'm going to date myself at this point of the sermon. Remember that old tune? An old man turned 98. He won the lottery and died the next day. If I had a pencil, I could seeing Alanis Moore set in a sermon bucket list excellent <laughs> an old man turned 98 he won the lottery and died the next day that's what it's like for a person to build up wealth for themselves and not have any riches in god jesus says that that's what it's like and i know that our translation here says uh... what does it say not to have a rich relationship with god but i've been challenged by the spirit this week i don't know how this will land on your heart later in this same chapter the same teaching jesus goes on he talks about not having anxiety about possessions, not to have anxiety about what we're going to eat tomorrow. And to an audience that Jesus spoke to, these are very real needs. And then he goes on and he says this, verse 33, Sell your possessions and give to the poor. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the thing that the Holy Spirit said to me was this. That's what I mean. How do you build richness with God? Well, take the investment money and give it to the poor. Take the money and give it to the poor. That, Jesus says, is how you store up treasures in heaven. And so, it's not that the story is saying... Don't be rich at the expense of a relationship with God. The story is saying don't build up wealth at the expense of giving to the poor. That was the challenge I was given this week. Invest here, invest with the needy. This makes us rich with God. Greed can be true in an individual's life. I got time. But it's also true that greed can happen in a group. Greed can be true in a family. Greed can be true of a nation. And greed can be true of a church. I don't think we're a greedy church. But Jesus says to watch out for it. Guard against it. Guard against greed. When I read this, two images came to my mind. The first was, um, so I played basketball in high school. I was an okay uh, scorer, but I was a good defender. And one of my favorite things to do, if it's a two-on-one fast break where two players are coming with the ball to score, but only one defender, and I was the one. If there are two good players, it's really tough to defend. But, but there's almost always a, a moment where you can do something to guard against them scoring. I used to love guarding that. Or I think of a watchman on a tower, right, of a city, an ancient city, in the middle of the night, listening for any, any sound or any rustling of the trees and what's out there coming at us that we need to warn others about and guard against. These are the images I had in my mind. Let us guard against and be watchful of greed. Because it blinds us to what life is really about, this idea of giving to the poor as, as, a, as knowing God can come to us uh, from the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah, verse I'm sorry, chapter 22 says this, and the Lord says, "What sorrow awaits Jehoiakim? He was a king at the time. He was no good." who builds his palace with forced labor and and you build injustice right into the walls you make your neighbors work for nothing you don't pay them for their labor and the lord says i will build you say sorry I will build a magnificent palace with huge rooms and many windows, and I will panel it throughout with fragrant cedar and paint it a lovely red. Sounds beautiful. But a beautiful cedar palace does not make a great king, Jehoiakim. Your father, Josiah, he also had plenty to eat and drink. But he was just and he was right in all his dealings. And that is why God blessed him. Now listen to this. Listen to this. He gave justice and help to the poor and needy, and is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord? Right? So don't build personal possessions at the expense of giving to those in need, which, according to these verses, is what it means to know the Lord. Of a friend named Beth. Uh, we went to school together and she adopted a greyhound dog. I've told this story but in a different form before. A greyhound dog and dumb. Kelly and I went and visited her one time and we're in her apartment and there's the dog laying on the floor, dumb, wagging its tail. Beth was, you know, petting the dog and kind of scratching the dog's ears. The dog was very happy. And I thought I would have a conversation with the dog. And so I said, do you race anymore? You might know this story. The dog said to me, no, no, I'm done racing. And I said, oh, curious. Are you kind of slowed down a little bit, getting older? And the dog said, oh, no, 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 I've got plenty of race left. You know, we'd line up and the gate would open and there goes the rabbit and off we'd go. I've got that left in me. And I said, oh, uh, did you not win enough money for your owner? No, I won more than a million dollars for my owner. Well, did they not treat you right? No, they treated me like royalty the days I was racing. Well, what happened? Why aren't you racing anymore? And the dog said to me, because I quit. Well, why did you quit? And the dog looked up at me, and the dog said, I quit because I discovered that what I was chasing wasn't really a rabbit. All that running and running and running around in circles and circles, and it wasn't even real. There's wisdom there, too. What are we chasing? And what's our money chasing? Would you pray with me? God, your Holy Spirit beckons us to know Jesus, the one who gave himself freely. Gave himself to us freely. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that we would learn from him that we would learn from him. And Holy Spirit, whatever work you want to do on our hearts right now, about our pocketbooks and our bank accounts and maybe the debt that we might have, I pray that you would lead us and guide us in these places and that we would be reminded that you're after our hearts and that you'll guide us and you'll lead us and you'll transform us and you'll change us, God. And so right now, whatever worries we might have about money, would you meet us in those places, please? Would you guide us that we might be free to give and be generous? And I pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.